Hey there, welcome to the Next Level Nutrition Biz Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Long, business coach for nutritionists. I help nutritionists just like you create and launch their business and sign their first high paying client. In this podcast, you'll learn practical strategies to start and grow your nutrition business that you can implement right away. You'll also hear from a ton of guests who have started their own thriving nutrition businesses and share what they've learned throughout their journey. Let's get started. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Next Level Nutrition Biz Podcast. Today I'm really excited because I have my friend Tara McKenna here from the Zero Waste Collective to talk all about what it was like to build her business and her brand, Zero Waste Collective. So we also talk about her new book, Don't Be Trashy, what it was like to actually write the book, all the opportunities that come from writing a book. We really dig into her brand and creating it from scratch, everything and every step she took from starting her business to where it is today. And she is just very candid and shares a lot about her story of, you know, going from a nine to five job to building her business, Zero Waste Collective, and all the steps she took to take it to where it is today. So I'm really excited for you to learn more from her and um, to talk more about her business. So thank you so much for being here today, Tara. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you here today. And, you know, just for everybody that's listening, uh, we have a really funny background and story, and I'm just going to tell it really quickly. So we actually met, we both went to Guelph University, and um, we both did semesters abroad in university, and my boyfriend at the time was in Poland, where Tara was also there, and we became friends. And um, and then we were friends for a couple years within university, and then I think when I had moved and kind of gone, um, gone elsewhere, you were still living in Guelph. And we lost touch for a little bit, but then, um, how, oh, you were listening to a podcast that I was on, on my friend Kelsey's podcast. And then you had reached out and we reconnected and, um, it was so nice to reconnect. And then I was so like, incredibly like proud of you that I had seen you had grown this huge business, Zero Waste Collective. So, um, let's just dig in a little bit more to what is Zero Waste Collective? How did that get started? Yeah, well, I'm definitely proud of you and the business you've built. And I love our chats that we have on, you know, a somewhat regular basis to talk about business. But the Zero Waste Collective is is a blog, right? And so basically, I was working a nine to five job, and I was really interested in sustainability. So my background is in urban and regional planning. I have a master's degree from Queen's University in urban planning. Um, and so I ended up in that field focused on environmental land use planning. So between that and like an experience I had in Bali, which is a, a beautiful you know, tropical destination in in Indonesia, Southeast Asia, you know, I saw I was snorkeling and I saw trash intermingling with fish and I was just so devastated in that moment. So there's so many things that kind of came to a head where I was like working in the field where I was seeing how, you know, important sustainability is because so much development is taking up our natural lands. And then on top of that, seeing, you know, trash in our oceans, I was just like, okay, I have to do something. What can I do? And and I think most people can agree that a lot of the issues we read about, like climate change, plastic in our oceans, like these things are such daunting issues where it's like, well, what can one person do? What can I do? So I was like, okay, well, I, I, I'm, you know, a huge fan of taking control of your own life, right? Like, you know, don't let all of these big, scary things, you know, become an excuse not to do anything, right? So I was like, okay, I just started to reduce my waste. I I found the zero waste movement, which is basically, 
you know, a way for people to reduce their waste that they create personally, right? So instead of, you know, getting the plastic straw, can you go straw free? Or Mm -hmm. instead of using the plastic bag, can you bring your own bag? Like those, I think are very iconic elements of the lifestyle. I go into way more depth in my book than just, Mm -hmm. you know, having a zero waste kit, for example. Um, But I found this lifestyle and I went all like head first, like a hundred percent all in. Like I was like as close to zero waste as our household was going to get. I've scaled back since then because it didn't feel very maintainable, Hmm. but I actually started documenting it on Instagram. And actually that's how I built my audience. Like I was working full time, documenting my low waste journey, zero waste, low waste. I call it low waste now because I'm not, you know, zero. And at the end of the day, nobody can be zero because of our, our system is just not set up that way. But basically, I started an Instagram account and it grew and people were also keen to learn. And so then I was like, okay, well, this is my personal journey. I wanted to create a platform that could be a little bit bigger to share other people's journeys. So I created an account called Zero Waste Collective on Instagram and I started sharing other people's content as well with permission. Like I, I would ask permission, be like, oh, can I share your content to help, you know, promote you and and give, you know, a different voice to the conversation because my voice is only one voice and only Mm -hmm. one experience. So then it became a blog. So it was this iterative process where it was like, you know, I started my own Instagram, then started the Zero Waste Collective, and then it became a blog. And then, you know, I had the opportunity to write a book and I, you know, turned it into a business. And basically the business was built on sponsored content, right? So Mm -hmm. I was creating content to promote eco-friendly brands, which I wholeheartedly support. So it was really important to me to have brands that were in alignment with my, you know, values and to share and spread the word, which was really, really cool. Um, Yeah. So that's kind of the the background. And and, uh, so now here I am, I still have my blog and I've just written a book. (laughs) Which is amazing. Congratulations. And, you know, it's so fascinating hearing your story and your background, because I think so many people, when they look at, you know, something like your account and they see, you know, the, the followers and how much content is there and just like how big the brand has really begun, become that they think, well, I can never do that. Right. And like, you know, it just seems like so many steps ahead where somebody actually is right now. But I think like you just explaining in the story, like you started just posting like your personal journey, it wasn't this big business. And it sounds like it wasn't even a vision for a big business at the beginning. Is that right? It wasn't like just, you know, documenting me going with my own containers to a bulk store for the first time was not, you know, (laughs) intended to be down the road a business. I, I think there was always an element of like, I knew that I didn't want the nine to five thing forever. But it's not like I had made that direct connection just yet as to what my business would become. Uh, It happened all very organically. And I know that's not helpful for everybody who like specifically wants to start a business. But at the same time, that can be a great way to start a business, right? To start with your own experience. I think a lot of entrepreneurs see a problem and want to find a solution. And when they find that solution, you can help other people with that solution, but you can help them make it like 10 times faster because you've already gone through the Mm -hmm. trial and error of everything. Right. So when I think about my book, you know, my book 
really cover. So it's don't be trashy and it's practical guide to living with less waste. But when I think about all the chapters in the book, like I cover, you know, food and your pantry and reducing waste in the kitchen, whether it's packaging waste or food waste, or I talk about, you know, fashion, how you can build a more conscious wardrobe where it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, like fast fashion is, you know, a pretty trendy topic right now. But at the same time, it's like, it, it seems a bit daunting to build a sustainable wardrobe. How do you do that? So I've really put 10 years of my life and packed it into a book where I cover things like minimalism and fashion and zero waste living and conscious consumption and all of these things and non-toxic living. So all Mm -hmm. of these different elements have been packed into this book to make it easier for the next person to do it. So it doesn't take you 10 years. It's actually formatted in a way that it could take you a year to go through like the whole thing. But if you want to speed it up or slow it down that, you know, whatever works for you, there's a lot of actionable items in it that I have lived experience with. And so that's, I think, one way that people can become entrepreneurs is through their own lived experience and and solutions, right? Yeah. And you're totally right. I think so many people who like speaking to nutritionists specifically who graduate from school and they think, well, you know, who is going to want to work with me? Like I'm just getting started, but you also have all of that lived experience, just like you're saying where, you know, you've probably gone through the trials and tribulations and you've tried all the, you know, nutrition trends, what works, what doesn't work, all the supplements. And, you know, you're not starting from scratch. You're starting from experience and, you know, even letting people in, in the process of, of going through that journey. I think, you know, a lot of students will ask me, you know, should I start my nutrition business while I'm still in school? And I usually say, yeah, like share that experience, like, you know, show the journey just like you did, because that's building your audience, right? Um, Definitely. One thing I'm curious about is you did mention um, that you had like started sharing on Instagram and then you switched over to start sharing as like Zero Waste Collective. So were you posting this on your personal account to begin with? And and if that's true, like what point did it seem like, okay, I need to separate this into like more of a business? So I created, so first it was my personal account, right? And I was posting my personal content on there Mm -hmm. and then you know, I just felt like there was a space missing for conversation because yes, I was having conversations on my personal page because people comment and I I grew a community there, but I just wanted it to be a broader conversation. So that's when I created the separate account, but I was still running both accounts and I still do today. And I don't personally still love maintaining both accounts. I'm not sure that I will keep that model forever. I'm still trying to figure out what the future looks like for both of my Instagram accounts. But basically... At, you know, I wanted a different face for the account because I wanted to be able to share other people's content and build up the, you know, I guess, audience that it could have. And so Zero Waste Collective has a much larger audience than my personal page as a result of the content there is actually much more easily shareable. And so I guess it really just depends what type of account, you know, people want to create what kind of business. But I think it's really important, like you said, like your story is so important to what your business is and people will always come back to that no matter how big a business gets. I think everybody wants to know like who the face is of that company, right? And and where it started, why it started, why do people care? And so that is so integral to my business, you know, as it was when it started and where it is now and where it'll be going. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a really important lesson for anyone listening to this podcast. 
is that yes, start today. Cause even what your business is today is probably not going to be the same in five years from now. And that's completely fine. You're going to reiterate or, you know, re revise or pivot or change or, or whatever you're going to do. Um, and then you just have to figure out what that looks like as, as time goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very true. It's very true. I know we talk about that a lot, right? All the changes and pivots and figuring out what's going to come next, but you're not going to know what's coming next unless you get started now and, and you know, figuring things out as you go. So that makes a lot of sense. So, you know, when you mentioned you first started Zero Waste Collective um, and you said you did a lot of sponsored content and still, I believe, do to this day, how did that get started? Like, was that just you reaching out to different, um, you know, content creators or different brands and starting that conversation or were people reaching out to you at that time? Yeah. Okay. So the very first collaboration I ever did was me reaching out to a brand and I reached out to a small business. And actually for the most part, I do work with small businesses still, but I've also had the opportunity to work with big brands like A&W Canada or Corona Canada, right? Those are big household names. But where I started was literally with a small business where I was like, okay, we've already, we follow each other on Instagram or, you know, I've already built some kind of rapport with them. And then I literally started with a giveaway. I was like, Hey, do you want to a send me her product and B run a giveaway? Because, you know, at the time I, I had some leverage in the sense that I had a larger audience than they did. I also really believed in their product. And so it was building that relationship. And that's important to anybody who wants to be a business owner is to build relationships. And, and I know that you and I talk about this all the time, right? So um, building relationships is key. So I already had some kind of footing with this, you know, but that's not to say that cold calls don't uh, start Mm. businesses as well, right? Business relationships. So this just happened to be my very first collaboration. We were literally talking over DM being like, Hey, and this was over Instagram. Um, would you want to do a giveaway? And, and her response was like, yes, let's do this. (laughs) And so that's where it just, it just started. So, um, so sometimes it just means like putting yourself out there. Right. So, and that's how it started. And then it built from there and it builds your confidence. Right. Cause I think a lot of us get imposter syndrome and I still get that to this day, but it's, it's a way, a stepping stone to build your confidence, starting small and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So once you get, you know, a yes here and a yes here, maybe you'll get a, a couple of no's and that's fine, but just keep going. Cause like, you know, the more you put yourself out there, the more, you know, you're going to get something that sticks. Right. So it's, you know, Mm -hmm. then later on when I, as my business grew and I was working on more collaborations, I got more professional about it. It became more about emails and about, you know, having a media kit, which is a document where that shows all my stats, my previous collaborations, like, you know, it's all branded, the color, you know, scheme makes sense and I've got a logo. So it really just kind of built on top of itself. It didn't happen overnight. Right. I remember, um, you know, just launching my blog with one blog post and like, sure, that's not exciting, but you have to start somewhere. Right. And I gave myself a deadline. I actually, because I was kind of dragging my feet on creating my website. Cause I started with the Instagram account for zero waste collective. I was dragging my feet and I was like, okay, earth day 2018 is my deadline. And I was scared like so scared to hit launch and publish, but I did it. And when I did it, it was a really cool day because I actually ended up being on CBC News live in Toronto the same day. So I was like, wow, what a crazy day. (laughs) So I was like trying to make sure my website wasn't crashing and like going downtown to be on live news for the first time like ever. So the, it was just all really cool and crazy. And I think, I feel like I definitely went beyond your original question, but anyways. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, it's so nice to hear the background and you know, and I, this is what I say all the time to people when they're like, well, you know, who's going to work with me or who's going to listen to me? Like I have a small following, right? But sometimes Mm -hmm. what I say is like, it's a blessing to have a smaller following to begin with, because you can make the mistakes, you can do things a bit more organically, you can try Mm -hmm. things out where I'm actually really curious, like, do you feel a, a pressure having a large audience? And does it feel different than it did when it was smaller? Yeah. And I, I love that. It's so true. When you have a smaller audience, I think people are very forgiving because they know that things are new. But at the same time, I think that there's this idea of like having a big audience means that, you know, things are really huge for you. Right. Because I just, I wouldn't ever equate an, a following to like, you know, your income, for example, it's not like hundreds of thousands of followers means I have millions of dollars of income. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important that there's a huge perception piece to size where, as you know, you could have a company and you might only have a few thousand followers on social media, but you could be running a, you know, seven figure business. So mm-hmm. don't, you know, get caught up in the, the numbers of social media. I think it's really important to, to recognize that there's not always a correlation there. Um, I am not currently running a seven-figure business, but that is certainly one of the goals that I have for my growth and my trajectory. But there are people out there with like only a handful of followers and they are running the multi, you know, million dollar business. So I think that there's nothing wrong with quote unquote being small. We all start somewhere. And I think you're right. It gives you the chance to do the trial and error, learn and grow. And, you know, I would also say that when you are smaller, it will be harder to work with the bigger companies like right off the bat, like I, I don't think with a, you know, only like a few hundred followers, would I have been able to, and this is not necessarily true, but like get the big companies to work with me at that point. Right. I think the numbers are important depending on what you're doing with your business. And if you want to be more in the influencer sphere, then those numbers do really start to matter. So I think it comes back to, you know, what are your goals with your business? Do you need a huge following? Is that really important? So it, it might be a nice metric. What's a vanity metric, right? That's mm-hmm. the word I was looking for. It can be a vanity metric, but it's also proof of the pudding that there's interest there as well. But mm-hmm. don't let that, if the huge following never happens, it doesn't mean you can't have a, a thriving, healthy, fantastic business. Yeah. I love thinking about like, why would you, do you need the big following or why would you need the big following? What is it going to do for you? Because let's say you want to run a one-on-one nutrition practice. It's not about having hundreds or thousands of people in your audience necessarily. It's about having a couple people or, you know, a few dozen people that are going to be really good relationships. So at the end of the day, if you're pushing just to get more followers, like what is the purpose behind that? Right. And then, like you said, kind of in a sense, like monetizing the growth that you've had, which I think you did you know, through the sponsored posts and through like the brand deals, but then also through the book. So can we talk about the book? Like, how did that even come to be? And was it your idea? Did you get, did someone outreach to you? How did that happen? Yeah. So the book deal, it, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there who dream of writing a book, like it at least Mm -hmm. crosses their mind at some point, because it definitely crossed my mind. And I actually love reading books. So writing a book totally makes sense, because I, 
you know, a voracious reader. I can like, I've got like a pile of 20 books right now, but I'm also (laughs) interested in writing another book. So there's another reason for why my pile is so big at the moment. But, um, I got reached out to some, someone reached out to me literally two weeks after I launched my website. And that's why I remember I only had like one blog post up because someone, a literary agent reached out to me and they were like, Oh, well, like, are you interested in reading a book? Your website looks fantastic. I was just curious why there's like only one post on your website. (laughs) I was like, I literally just launched it two weeks ago. Like I just haven't, you know, you know, I don't have like tons of blog posts yet because Mm -hmm. there's different ways to launch a a website, right? You can, if you want to do a blog, you can launch with 20 blog posts, but I'm going to tell you that if you wait till you have 20 blog posts to launch your blog, you might not do it. So I would say just start where you're at and just go ahead and forge ahead. Um, But yeah, so in terms of the, the book thing, um, you, there's in traditional publishing, right? Cause we've got two different umbrellas here. You've got self-publishing and traditional publishing. Mm-hmm. I was traditionally published by a major like publishing house called Penguin Random House. And I think, you know, that's a relatively household name, mm-hmm. um, in, in terms of like being people being familiar with that publisher. Um, so when you're, when you get traditionally published, typically you need a literary agent to make that connection. Uh, unless you have a pretty sizable audience, they may, might find you instead. So if you've got the large audience, then that can help with opportunities like a book deal, for example, and the Mm -hmm. big brand partnership. So if those things are your goals, then sure. I do think that building a large audience is really important because I had a literary agent reach out to me and a publisher reach out to me directly. So I ended up writing a book and working directly with a publisher. Um, And, you know, it was hard for me to make the decision, do I do the literary agent? Because like, you know, they actually do take a cut of... um, Mm-hmm. your uh your royalties your advance if you get one um so that's something to keep in mind if you're interested in writing a book and then if the benefit of self-publishing for example is getting higher profits for the book sales but then the infrastructure of the process is missing right and you would have yeah. to do it all yourself figure out where the printing is how to you know and, and amazon and similar websites do make it easier these days to um, let you self-publish and, and there's like printing on demand and there's all these Mm -hmm. things. So if you are interested, um, in writing a book, there's different avenues, but I'm still very happy with my traditional publishing route. I love that they've managed to get my book in all, you know, all bookstores, right? You Mm -hmm. can find my book anywhere books are sold, uh, including Mm -hmm. local shops or Amazon or Indigo, or, you know, in the States, you've got Barnes and Noble, like you can find it most places, which is really, really cool. And I didn't have to worry about that process. Mm -hmm. So I'm very grateful for it. And I really love working with my editors. And, you know, they just, you know, helped me design the cover, like I wasn't actually the designer, like they have Mm -hmm. a team of designers, I definitely had some input. Um, So it's a really neat process. So I I think no matter which route someone chooses to go, there's a lot of pros and cons, no, no matter what you do, but I think you'll be happy regardless. Yeah, thanks for taking us into that process. And, you know, I have had um, actually two other people come on, someone that came on to talk about self-publishing on Amazon, and then somebody that was working with a publisher, but a small publisher. So it's nice to hear from so many different peoples and their experiences. And um, the fact that, you know, like, you know, you had all these different options of people reaching out to you and you could kind of pick and choose. So it's hard to know the probably the best to go with. And I'm sure you probably grappled with that a little bit. But at the end of the day, I think, um, you know, obviously, it's a great book and great product. And I am curious, um, this is a very long winded question. But um, what I always heard was, you know, with a book, it's not like you're going to get rich, and you can 
tell me if I'm wrong there, but it's usually not the intention that the book itself is going to make you rich. It's the fact that the opportunities you're going to get and the exposure and the visibility is what is going to bring you like opportunities for a lifetime. So what, what are your kind of thoughts and feelings there? Like, was the book something that you did as kind of like a standalone income opportunity or more for what would come after the book? Yeah, that is such a good question. Yeah. So when I was researching whether or not to write a book, when the opportunity presented itself, um, I definitely came across the advice that, you know, writing a book will not get you rich unless you're like, a, you know, a hardcore bestseller, which, you know, I really hope that there's longevity to my book and, and that people can find value in it. And I really tried to create an evergreen book in the sense that if you picked it up 10 years from now, you would still get value from it. Yes, there are references in my book that will be dated. And I was aware of those when I was writing the book, but also recognized that what my, you know, action items were would still be applicable even, you know, 10, 20, 30 years from now, right? Like uh, I, if I, you know, had this book 30 years ago, could you still be able to implement a lot of those things? Um, I definitely believe that's true. And so that piece is really, really important. Um, but yeah, I actually forgot your question. Oh, no, I was just asking. No, it's all good. I, I <laughs> asked a very long question. Basically, um, kind of like Jesse, you were going on is like, you know, is the book itself the the monetary thing that's coming out of it? Are you making money from it? Or is it the opportunities coming up. Yes. Now. Okay. So yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm so good at going on tangents. It's terrible. But anyways, yes. Okay. So with my book, and this is what happens with a traditional publisher, right? And it really depends on your platform. So um, say you're a celebrity and, you know, they, a traditional publisher wants to publish a celebrity's book, then they might get like a multi-million dollar advance. Um, the thing is, and, and I got an advance, I can tell you it was not multi-million dollar, but it was a really decent advance for a first time author. Like, um, so I would say, you know, you can't necessarily expect for your first book to get much of an advance. It could be small, it could be big, it could be huge. It really kind of depends on your audience and what you bring to the table in terms of being able to market the book. But then the way it works is that you're advance um, is actually, and the reason why it's called an advance is that your royalties have to pay off the advance first. So mm -hmm. once my book starts selling, um, I have to earn my advance through that, but mm -hmm. I also don't have to pay it back. So a lot of, I would say the majority of books don't actually earn out their advance. Mm -hmm. And so that is, you know, money that publishers have to eat, but they make up for with their heavy hitting best-selling books. So they mm -hmm. kind of have to like weigh the pros and cons and, and their budget and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yes, unless my book is going to somehow become a, a long-term multi-year like good seller, I don't know that it's going to make me a millionaire. But mm -hmm. at the same time, like you said, it comes down to opportunities. So it, it depends on how you want to build your business. So I, I have a speaking element to my, my business where I do speaking events and it's like, okay, well, if you really enjoyed today's webinar or conference or whatever it is, like panel discussion, then go to my website and check out my book, right? There's that, that piece that it's really complimentary and it also gives you authority, right? You've got, you know, you're, if you're a published author that gives you authority in the field that you're talking in. So if you're, you know, having running a nutrition business 
and you have a very specific niche that you can write a book about that can help so many people's lives. I think it's a really complimentary, you know, your clients can buy your book, your readers mm-hmm. can buy your book. And if you have, maybe you're like, there's so many different streams of income you can build. Like maybe you're going to develop an app and, and someone wants the book to go with it. I think a book just really complements every area of your business. And I think having different streams of income for any type of business um, you know, can be helpful. It really depends on, on where you're going with your business, but a book is a really great complement to that. So I would say don't bank on getting rich, but mm-hmm. it can make you money. It just, it's not necessarily, unless you're, you know, there's different ways to, to make money as an author. You can be a full-time writer and an author, right? You can be an author and you just keep making books and publishing books or, or you're an author and, and you do freelance. And, and I think this is probably relevant to your audience because there's so many different ways to do nutrition, right? You could be the nutrition nutritionist who is the author freelance writer and, and they really just want to write about mm-hmm. nutrition, right? Mm-hmm. Or you're the authorpreneur. And I think that's where I fit in where you're the author entrepreneur, right? You've got the book, but you have a business. And so the book complements the business and the business complements the book. And mm-hmm. so there's just different ways to um, monetize that way. So, yeah. 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 That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, not to mention like also kind of with that, what do you call it? The authorpreneur? Is that what it is? Yes. I love that. It's not original. I I did not come up with that. (laughs) Don't don't quote me as the original uh, creator of the author. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, that's the first time (laughs) I've heard it. It's really interesting. And I think like, again, kind of knowing like what you're best at, because, you know, some, like you said, you know, there could be a nutritionist who just knows they like to research and write and they don't want to be like the face of a brand or they don't want to be visible where you kind of know that you like writing, you like that process, you want to have that medium as part of your business, but you also like the visibility. You also like, you know, being like creating that community and being really engaged with your audience. Ready to start your nutrition business, but have no idea what steps you need to take? No problem. That's exactly why I've created a completely free workshop for you called Six Steps to Start Your Nutrition Biz and Sign Your First Paying Clients. In this on-demand workshop, I'm sharing my six-step roadmap to starting a successful nutrition business without a huge social media following or years of experience. I'll also share the top three mistakes I see most new nutritionists making when starting their business and how to avoid them, and the must-have tools you need to run a successful nutrition business and wow your clients from day one. Oh, and did I mention that the workshop is completely free? Sign up at stephanielong.ca slash workshop and get instant access right now. So that kind of brings me to one more question that I have is how, well, how do you feel when it comes to visibility? Because like you mentioned, I think you said CBC uh, live you've been on. I think you just recently did the social. Is that right? I did. Yeah. So with the launch, I had a lot of media for sure. Yeah. So all these different media opportunities, like how does that feel to you? Is that something that like over the years of having your business and brand, like you've gotten more comfortable with, do you love being in the spotlight? Does it still make you nervous? Like, how do you feel about that visibility piece? Yeah, I actually, I do like the visibility piece, but I also think that balance is really important. So, because I have to think about like, well, what's my role on social media? Do I want to show up as an influencer? And there's so many different ways to think of that because I think people can be influential without being, you know, your typical influencer. And I don't think I show up on social media enough to be that kind of standard influencer. But in terms of like um, building and growing the type of business I have, I 
really do actually enjoy the exposure. I love talking on podcasts. I love, you know, doing radio interviews. I, you know, I'm totally happy and fine with the spotlight. Um, it has been pretty easy, you know, because the pandemic made it all online. So I yeah. think there's, you know, a certain level of like more comfort of being in your own home doing it. But at the same time, when you know you're on national television, like the social, but there's a lot of practice that leads up to it. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, it's not for everybody and you have to just know for yourself if that's something you want to do. And if you don't want to do it, then that's fine. But at the same time, you still need some form of exposure for your business and you have to figure out what that looks like from a marketing perspective. Um, but certainly you do not necessarily have to like go on the news or go on the social yeah. or whatever. Um, I do think that podcasts though are a huge vehicle for, for growth for any business, whether mm-hmm. you're the podcaster or you're the podcast interviewee. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. the interviewer, the interviewee, I think it's really <laughs> a really great way to grow your business. So I think that there should be some level of connection with other people that that as a business owner that you're comfortable with. But depending on how you grow your business, you could have staff, for example, that can help fill those roles if you're not comfortable with them. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. Right. Like really deciding, are you the face? Do you have other people that are the face? Like, do you have to play all of the roles or do you get that support? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think so many of us have big dreams, but maybe we don't see ourselves being the one in front of, you know, like all the lights and camera. So it's nice to know that you can still build this big business vision, but maybe you aren't the one that has to be the one stepping out. So thank you for that reminder. <laughs> okay, last off before we go, um, you're a new mom. Congratulations. So exciting. Baby Emma. Um, how has it been? You know, I know you're just kind of shifting back into work now. And, you know, obviously with the pandemic made things, you know, a little bit more difficult, difficult in terms of um, work. But how has it been kind of shifting back into work these days being a new mom? Yeah, that is uh, an interesting balance. I'll tell you that. So I had Emma at the end of September in 2021. So she's five months old now. So it's crazy. It's been five months already. But actually, I was working back in November. So literally, she was like, I gave myself the month of October completely off. I was just like, I would not be responding to emails. I completely shut off. Like I just couldn't do anything. But I knew come November that I was going to be working because I have um, an annual holiday gift guide that I do to promote, you know, my favorite sustainable and ethical brands. Um, And I had already done all all the work leading up to it, knowing that I had a baby on the way. So I, you know, really stacked August and September with work. So that way come November, it was really more of a plug and play. Like the gift guide was already done. All the Canva and graphic design was already finished. And all of my, you know, clients knew what their role was to help promote the gift guide. Like everything was done. Like I literally created like a to-do list for everybody. So that way it wasn't, you know, overwhelming, but I still started working in November and then my book I knew was coming out in January. And so my book emails for my editors and my publicist that comes with like, that works for my um, the publisher, like there were emails floating in. I actually started doing some media in December. So it actually started to pick up pretty quickly. But at the same time, I'm also very lucky because I have a husband who, you know, because now I, you know, I don't think I really talked about my transition out of my nine to five job. But at Mm -hmm. some point, you know, I I did leave, I think it was in 2019. I quit. Uh, Yeah, it was 2019. So I quit my job 
and I work for myself now, right? So as an entrepreneur, I don't get parental leave. So my husband still has a, you know, a day job. And and so he's actually on parental leave. So I have the opportunity to be like, here's the baby and I'm going to go work. So (laughs) being able to be on this podcast with you is possible because my husband is looking after Emma right now and and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So, you know, I I don't know what I would do if I didn't have these circumstances um, because I, I am working for myself. But yeah, now things are getting busier. Um, but it is still a balance because I am still breastfeeding, which means Mm -hmm. I do still have to be there for Emma, you know, throughout the day. So it's not like I can be like, here, husband, look after baby for the entire day. I'll see you at dinner time. That's just not practical because I'm breastfeeding and that kind of thing. And I work from home. And, and so there's a lot more flexibility because I do work from home. So it's finding this balance, but we are going to have to figure out what that looks like when my husband goes back to work because he's not off forever. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not sure when and where daycare is going to happen. So I'll, I'll figure that out. But you know, I'm, I wouldn't say my hours are full-time right now and, and I'm trying to figure out the trajectory of my business. I still want to promote my book, work on my blog. Um, you know, sponsored content has been a huge portion of my income for my business, but I want to move kind of away from that model. I love the sponsored piece. And I think it's, you know, something that we didn't really talk about, about what options there are, but I have different ways I work with uh, sponsors. Um, Like I have licensed collaborations, for example, where I actually help design products that have my logo on them. And I earn like a a commission, essentially a licensed fee um, for that. Um, And then I uh, work with direct, you know, payment through specific projects with with companies so that is never going to go away I think that'll still continue to be a stream of income but then other elements like I really want to kind of hone in on beyond just the zero waste space but like kind of really niche down within that to like help you know my audience and my community build and grow so I'm Mm -hmm. trying to figure out what that looks like and then I think I'm I'm you know going to go a bit more of the teaching route and probably build some you know online courses and Mm-hmm. And create kind of like um, a business that way that's complemented by all the other things that we talked about. Yeah, and it's really nice because, you know, your business, you've been around for a couple of years now, and it might have looked one way, you know, pre-baby, and it, and you could manage it that way. And now it's like so nice to have that flexibility to be like, okay, priorities have shifted. How do I want this to look moving forward? And I think so many of us forget, like, you know, we're, for the most part, in the driver's seat. So we get to, you know, take the reins and really choose what we want for our business. And you don't have to build a business that look like ever, that looks like everybody else's. It can look like how it has to look like for you in your situation. So you're a perfect example of that. And it's really nice to hear that you have like a little bit of that time and space now to be like, what do I want for the future? And really think on it, you know, before maybe jumping into the next project. So pretty cool. Exactly. Yeah. And you know what, um, with the book, like I had a portion of the final portion of it, my advance came when my book published. So financially, I'm in a place where I'm like, okay, I can take that kind of step back to kind of figure it out. So it's just setting yourself up financially and, and, and giving yourself that flexibility. So now I have Mm -hmm. some breathing room and I think you're so right. Like, you know, one reason I left the nine to five world is because I didn't really like the structure that other people were creating for me. Like when you can take your vacation, how much vacation Mm -hmm. you can take and, you know, how much income you can earn. And this is the cap, right. And that's specific for the sector I was working in. That might not always like if you have a commission based job, that's not necessarily true. But for me, there was a very specific cap on my salary. And Mm -hmm. so now I love that, you know, I can really make as much as I, you know, put my mind to and and, an effort towards and have the flexibility to create the day that I want to create 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's definitely something people can design their own lives and, and it won't happen overnight. And it didn't happen overnight for me. Right. I was, you know, hustling at the start, you know, working on my side hustle in the mornings before work or in the evenings when I got home till late at night. Right. It wasn't something that just magically appeared. So, yeah, thank you. That's so realistic. Right. It's like, we might see the, like, you know, the business, how shiny it is, how well it's doing. And, you know, but it's like, okay, there's probably lots of blood, sweat and tears that go into it. That's not all, you know, the media and, you know, all of the visibility pieces. There's a lot of work and a lot of hours that go into building something like that. So yeah, definitely. Well, I'm so proud of you. Honestly, like I mentioned earlier, when we first connected, I was like, wow, how did she build this amazing business? And honestly, to this day, you're still such an inspiration for me of like going through the book process, becoming a mom, you know, now like really thinking about the next steps for your business. And yeah, it's just so nice to see how much you've been able to grow this. And I can't wait to to see what's next. So thanks for coming on. And I'd love for you to share um, just while we wrap up here, where can people find you? Where can they find the book? And um, yeah, anything else you want to share with us? Yeah. So um, you can find me on Instagram. My handle is mindfully Tara. You can find Zero Waste Collective under Zero Waste Collective. And uh, my blog is the zerowastecollective.com. My book is Don't Be Trashy, A Practical Guide to Living with Less Waste and More Joy. And it's not just about being zero waste. There's so much more to it. So I think if you're like minimalism and decluttering or detoxifying your home or fashion, like literally it covers all elements of your life in a way that will help you live your best life. And you can find that wherever books are sold, but you can also check out the links from my website. Yeah. And I'll make sure to put everything in the show notes too, so people can get easy access. Cool. Thanks for being here. It was so exciting. I'll have to have you on again to talk more entrepreneurial things. I could talk to you for hours. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I know. I I love picking your brains too. So thank you so much (laughs) for having me. (laughs) Thanks for listening in. If you like this episode, feel free to leave us a review, share the episode with a friend or take us on social media. Catch you next time.